Hey there, and welcome to episode number 66 of the Food as Medicine show with Dr. Anne, the place to be for real talk with real people and real results so you can heal yourself naturally. I'm your host, Dr. Anne, and I'm a board-certified pharmacist and functional medicine practitioner who finds and fixes the root cause of chronic conditions, specializing in gut health. So if you need help with your nutrition, food sensitivities, and healing your gut, you can book an appointment with me at dranne.com work, and Anne is spelled A-N-H as in healthy. Now I hope you had a wonderful week and that you had a happy Valentine's Day for those of you who celebrate. This week, I'm going on a tour of Buma Tuk, Vietnam, where coffee is a staple of the local economy. And if you haven't done so already, make sure you hop on the list at dranne.com to receive our email newsletters. And this is where I write my love letters to share all my favorite things, functional medicine tips, as well as pictures from my travels. And I don't always have internet, so when I do, I make sure I get the podcast done, but I'll be sure to be writing another love letter soon, Um, so make sure you hop on the list at drann.com. Now, before we get to the episode, I want to let you know that the opinions expressed on this show may not represent my opinions, and they're shows for general information only, not a substitute for medical care. So prior to beginning any new health program, I recommend you consult with a qualified health professional. In today's episode, I chat with Deborah Atkinson. Deborah is America's boomer babe, and she is passionate about helping boomers live fit and healthy lives in the second 50 years of their lives. She speaks frequently about active aging, and in 2013, she was a part of Live Healthy Iowa's Dream Team coach. She is also a five-time Ironman starter and a four-time Ironman finisher. And Deborah has created a forever fit and fab after 50 checklist that includes the habits of high energy 50 plus women who've mastered metabolism and balance hormones. You can get the checklist at voiceforfitness.com slash forever fit and fab to help you be on your way to having more energy, looking good and feeling great. Again, it's voiceforfitness.com slash forever fit and fab. And the link will also be on the show notes at drann.com slash 066. Now in today's show with Deborah, we talk about why it is important to unlearn the old diet and weight loss habits and thoughts that you've learned the first 30 years of your adult life, how to start healthy nutrition and exercise habits in your 30s, and adjustments to make for each additional decade of life for optimal aging in your 50s, 60s, and beyond, the power of protein in the right amount and at the right time, the art of crowding out versus compensating as it relates to nutrition, exercise, and really all aspects of your life, and much more. All right, let's go chat with Deborah. Welcome, Deborah Atkinson, to the show. Thank you so much for having me. You know, the title of your show is just infectious. I love the Socrates quote, food is medicine, and so very suiting. Thank you. Thank you. You know, um, I, I watched your video on your website and I love the introduction. It's, you know, very warm and, um, you know, it just it explains where you come from. And but in case people don't know, you know, you know, share the story of what brought you to become, um, I guess, the uh, America's boomer babe and what got you interested in fitness? Oh, boy. That's such a long story. How long do we have here? <laughs> so. Really, I grew up not not giving one thought to becoming an exercise or sport expert of any kind. I was going to be a veterinarian ah. until I realized that my idol 
Jane Goodall, you know, spent a lot of time in the woods. And my idea of camping was the Marriott. So that was off the list. <laughs> and then it was graphic design for a very, very long time. And somewhere halfway through school, like a lot of college students, I was in turmoil and not really happy doing what I was doing and found just a wonderful instructor and found my way to a confidence I had never experienced before. I was active in high school in sports, but chose the ones where you could stand still and uh, never really had the encouragement about doing it, not just to win or play more, but for myself. And after I experienced that, I was determined that I needed to share that with other people who, you know, weren't quite where they wanted to be or as confident or doing as much, reaching their potential. And that's how I got started. And then I became very passionate about what I saw in instruction in a big continuum of very high quality, very credible people delivering it. And and then not so much, you know, people not quite getting the message they needed in the right way to be encouraging and not maybe overwhelming or intimidating. So that is still and continues to be a big part of my passion. So while I coach and train fitness professionals, though I have had my own work life evolve. So I no longer spend four hours in a gym teaching classes. I spend eight hours a day right here behind a computer screen like a lot of people. And I, I get it probably better than I ever have. So as I'm turning to boomer babe myself, I just barely made the cut, but <laughs> have always been around older siblings and much, much older parents. And somehow I was that person who's always been old. I've always known a little more than I should about older people and that kind of culture. And so I've adapted to it even when I was younger. But now that I understand going through hormone changes and being sedentary and feeling an overwhelm of things, pulling on time. I understand how difficult it can be to get started, but that's my goal. And I think my mission is to smooth that transition and make it believable that it is doable. It's not an empty promise. Anyone can make small tweaks for big differences. Yeah, you know, I love that uh, what you're doing, because um, I feel like, you know, I, I worked in a pharmacy and I, the mo the majority of the people I saw were boomers, but they weren't like vibrant, right? They weren't outside riding my mountain bikes or on the weekends or hiking or swimming or being very active. Like they were, they're coming to the pharmacy because they were just trying to, um, you know, stay alive and, and, but not have a better quality of life. Right. And so I love what you're doing because, you know, I want to see more people, you know, in their sixties, seventies, eighties, and just being active and vibrant and full of life. Um, and so I think what you're doing is really amazing. Um, but you know, I think we also share some very, um, similar, I guess, uh, philosophies because I was kind of reading through and, you know, I came from like the uh, traditional background and now I kind of switched and, you know, my philosophies have changed. And one of which is just like the nutrition part of things. And, um, you know, there's 
a, a lot of unlearning that needs to happen. Mm -hmm. And so I wanted, I think you kind of see that in your work as well. So I wanted you to share um, some of the unlearning that people have to do or that you um, encourage your clients to do, you know, about diet and about exercise, um, the things that they thought were true, but really aren't true. Great. Yeah. <laughs> That's, you know, it's huge. And it seems to be, it's like a cliff you come to, or that when I see people who are 50 and older, for sure, and it's probably still trickling back to people who are right now in their 40s. And I'm hoping that changes as time passes. But we grew up watching, say, our moms, and I, I don't don't want to give a gender bias here, but I, <laughs> they were more prone to trying the diets, the grapefruit and the apple and the Washington apple and the mayo and the, you name it. I saw them go through our kitchen, I know, and we grew up seeing that. And even though you, know, you and I can both sit in a room and share information and people wise, intelligent people, you know, nod and acknowledge that makes so much sense, you know, that fat is good for us, that we need more protein, that if we feed our bodies fewer calories, the message we send is burn fewer, but yet we go to the grocery store or we order off the menu and our, what I call habit gravity sets in. And it's so hard to break that barrier of what we really have done for 30 of our adult years or more. So that's a big one right there. Um, fat makes you fat. It's been a difficult transition for a lot of people to include more healthy fat, you know, identify where that is and what that is and to be mortified by the idea that I'm going to put coconut oil in my smoothie, <laughs> you know? Um, so those small things, make a big difference in terms of inflammation, you know, so that is, you know, a point of medicine right there from food is a lot of us, as we age, we have an increased inflammation or tendency toward it, no matter what. And that can increase muscle breakdown. doesn't have to be that it causes arthritis, but that could be, could be that severe. So increasing fat can help with that. That's one of the pluses and, and yet taking in more fat is still something to overcome, especially adding it in food. There's then the fish oil supplements or taking pills. That's a little resistance as well. But those things we really have to unlearn. I was one of those people who thought, you know, at one point, we don't need supplements if we eat a healthful diet. And I no longer believe that. You know, I, I agree that we'd have to eat so much, you know, I mean, the amount of food is enormous and none of us can do that. So all healthy food, even healthy diets are lacking something. Probably we need a little boost to get it all in. So thinking about fat, number one, as a friend, <laughs> as opposed to an enemy and embracing the idea that you may need to look at what supplements might you be missing that are really a part of your puzzle if you're not feeling you 100%. Sure. Yeah, those are two great points. And I want to unpack each of them. So um, and one of my, I'm so glad you brought up fat, because that's kind of one of my passions is getting people to eat more healthy fat. Um, because that's an, one thing I had to unlearn as well. I was like, Oh, 
what do you mean you need to eat more fat? More saturated fat? What? So, um, so how do you help people transition from what they've learned and what they thought they knew for so long to being comfortable with adding more healthy fats into their diet? And what are some of those sources of healthy fat that you suggest for people? I know you had mentioned the coconut oil. Uh, well, baby steps is the first part of that answer. Baby steps, you know, and getting comfortable with anything. You know, it is, well, let's try for a snack adding almonds, you know, and just we practice that for a week and see the difference. And that, that is the selling point, to tell you the truth. A lot of people will notice, oh, my gosh, my energy was better. I was full. You know, it took such a small handful and people who've deprived themselves and maybe thought, well, I can't have, I can't have nuts or I can't have nut butter, who now can realize, you know, I miss that crunch or, you know, that's a food that I really miss and I didn't think I could have it again. That's a selling point. And now it just becomes a mount, right? So it becomes portion <laughs> control and realizing, okay, some nuts are good. Nuts all the time are not so good, but that's the biggest piece is people begin to feel better and don't have that edginess of hunger that they've always identified with. That must mean I'm losing weight. So losing that or unlearning that piece has also been a big bonus, realizing I'm, I should be hungry or I should be hungry when it's time, but I should be satisfied otherwise and not edgy, but good and comfortable in my body. Yeah. Um, you know, I, one of the reasons I was on a bodybuilding journey and I actually kind of stopped about four weeks or so, six weeks before the competition, because I became this person that I was hungry all the time. And I thought that was normal. Right. And um, and I think when you're going through a competition, there are some sacrifices you needed to make. But I wasn't ready to make those sacrifices. And and that's a very specific incident. But I think you're right. Like what in a normal day-to-day -day life, you shouldn't be obsessing about food and when your next meal is because you're so hungry, right? You should feel satisfied when you eat food. Um, so so I love that you mentioned baby steps. Uh, almonds, a handful of almonds is a good start. Um, once they incorporate almonds, what are some other foods you have them incorporate little by little? Avocados, you know, and as you mentioned, coconut oil, either cooking with it or putting the liquid coconut oil into a smoothie or literally raw coconut. So, so many ways that you can do it and a lot of ways you can use different forms of foods. Love to see people have fatty fishes, you know, so salmon, of course, halibut, um, herring, sardines, those and incorporating eggs, you know, and coming back to the whole egg, you know, and <laughs> realizing it's okay and there's a lot Let's of eat the yolks. <laughs> yes, yes. And so... Um, those are probably some of the most primary. Then we look at, depending on a person's food sensitivity, you know, if they can handle dairy, you know, considering the full fat Greek yogurt as opposed to, you know, the non-fat, which again, you know, we can have a logical conversation. And when you reach for the one that's on the shelf at the store, it, that habit gravity of, oh, you know, should I really do this, <laughs> sets in. So it does take some time to maybe move down the shelf and realize, 
There's a difference in consistency. There's a difference in how it makes you feel afterward and what you need hours later and how long that keeps you satisfied. So those little steps help as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, avocados, I feel like are so, like when you add them to food, it makes them so fancy, right? Yeah. So <laughs> I do it to everything, you know, um, wraps, I put it on salad, I put on sandwiches, or sandwiches, salmon, um, just everything. Um, and yeah. I just feel like it makes it a lot, just really fancy, or like an easy guacamole mm-hmm. I'll do as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so I have a question for you. Okay, you're from Iowa, and I remember um, people from Iowa don't like fish. So <laughs> typically. That is very stereotypical. <laughs> no, but that's what I experienced. So if someone doesn't like fish, you know, how do you, um, you know, get them to try fish? Or what are some ways? Are there alternatives? Or do you really try to get them to eat more fish? That's a great question. And um, ironically, or coincidentally, I wrote an article on Sunday about fish oil and the importance of it and had so many questions come in about I'm allergic, what are my other options, or, you know, I really don't like fish. (laughs) So I've had to to deal with that in the last few days. So a couple of things I start with are how have you been used to eating it? So let's look at preparation. And there's so many more things I think today that you can do with fish that might not be your experience. If you're someone who's who believes right now anyway that you don't like fish, I would try some different ways of preparation and see if you know it's the way the fish is slimy. There are some certain ways that it's actually the smell when it's cooking if you prepare it that way, might really be more offensive. I don't like my house to smell like a salmon either, but I love salmon. So if you can grill it, I personally think anything made on a grill is better than in an outdoor grill, is better than anything made inside. But those are some ways. And then, of course, if fish just really is not going to happen, looking at the fish supplements, the fish oil supplements as an alternative way to get in those great omega-3s. And the ones specifically that, as you know, and you can probably talk to more, the specific two that you can't get in your avocado. And so we want to make sure we get both, but especially those that come in the fish or fish oil are very tied to anti-inflammation results for us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and um, we did a great episode with Randy Hartnell from Vital Choice, and you know he kind of shared some great tips too for cooking. About if you don't like fish, it's probably because you had bad fish, like yeah. meaning it wasn't very fresh, and it probably just wasn't cooked very well. So, so you know, he just give it another shot, kind of thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. So you know, we we kind of naturally transitioned to supplements, and you talked about fish oil. Are there some other supplements that you just think that people um, if there's no way they can get enough of it from their food, so they they need to be supplementing or some you know um, ones that you generally recommend for people? There is a short list of things that I would say, and of course, I'm always careful about staying within my scope of practice, but I always recommend these are the questions that you should ask when you're talking to your physician and make sure that you've got a quarterback. So we're all communicating on the team and it's not an isolated talk to someone about my exercise, talk to someone about my diet, talk to someone about my health. We're all on the team. So 
Um, the one we hear more and more about is just we all need a multivitamin. But I love the uh, kind of multivitamin that's taken twice. So it's split up. So the absorption is probably a little bit better. And as people age, that seems to be a common denominator. We just, we don't absorb our protein or process it as well. And we probably don't absorb the rest of our nutrients either. So if we split them up, it makes a little more sense. So it's not that you're taking double, just want to make sure for everybody. So don't take your regular and double that. It's you need to buy one that says, you know, take part now in the morning, take part in the afternoon. So it's at two different times when you can absorb all of it a little bit better. It's like small doses. So that's one. Is there a favorite brand that you have for multivitamins? You know, I'm experimenting, honestly, right now. So I have looked at the Calton's. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I'm looking at that and seeing how I feel. But until you have to give me a month and then have me back, and I'll tell you. But yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, I, I, I know practitioners who love yeah. the vitamins from the Calton's nutrients. Yeah. And then also Douglas Laboratories to a day. Um, and yes, but if you're taking a Centrum or something like that, that you get from the pharmacy that I used to recommend, I don't recommend that anymore because the, the way the um, minerals are, it's an inorganic form that you don't absorb them well. And um, so you need a high quality multivitamin for sure. So great. I'm so glad you said that. Yeah. So that is definitely one for women that I work with sleep tends to be a huge issue and really there's no age barrier here. So across the board for a lot of people that I end up working with, I suggest magnesium taken at night with their evening meal and for some melatonin taken 90 minutes before bedtime if sleep is a real issue. So that seems to make a big difference. A lot of people who are already doing melatonin do it right before they go to sleep and don't realize that if they start taking it a little sooner, they'll actually get more benefit from it during the night. So those are two. Um, iron for women comes up naturally, you know, looking at whether or not you need it. Don't self-supplement, but find out if you do need it or not. If you've got a lot of fatigue, women put up with it. <laughs> and they assume that's normal, but it's not. And, you know, if you've got a lot of fatigue and you feel like you are doing most things right and you're on a good path and it doesn't make sense, check that out, you know, and look at your levels and see if you need some temporary support or, you know, what your doctor recommends. So then the other one is DIM that we're hearing so much about. So, I completely 100% use the acronym, Anne, and if you want to describe the whole long 50-cent word, you'll have to do that. <laughs> no, I want to hear you say it. <laughs> so, DIM, of course, comes from cruciferous vegetables and the property in that that is a huge help, especially for women. So DIM, do you want to save me and pronounce that, Anne? Actually, I, I have trouble saying it myself. <laughs> but that has been um, one of the others. And we've already talked about fish oil, you know, and making sure that you're getting your omega-3 is so much about muscle sparing that it can do. So it's not just anti-inflammatory because you need it and your joints are achy, but taking it before they're achy 
to make sure you have all those omega-3s on a regular basis. So when I have people take that, I suggest they do it not on days they don't have fish, they just do it and maintain that as a habit. It's too easy to get interrupted and then have that habit drop, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's a good overall anti-inflammatory that I think many people will agree that people should just be on for maintenance health. Yeah. Um, so for yeah. sure. Great. Awesome. D3, oh. which sometimes comes in the fish oil, and that's the last one, but it's so tied to making everything else work or enhancing absorption. And so um, if you can find a fish oil um, that has D3 in it, or that you're already getting in your multi, you know, even better. Mm. So to summarize, um, good uh, omega-3 fish oil, good multi, um, vitamin D, um, iron for some people, um, sleep, magnesium, and or um, melatonin. Any, Any others? I think we got it. Okay, great. So as far as, um, okay, so people, you know, you have kind of suggestions for people different during different decades of their life, right? So, you know, in their 30s, what should they be eating? How should they be exercising if they're in their 40s, their 50s, 60s, and beyond? Um, I, I'm assuming some of the recommendations change a little bit based on mobility, et cetera. So are there, um, are there general suggestions that you have for each decade of life? Yeah, absolutely. So very this month, just very current in the Journal of Strength and Conditioning Research, an article came out showing that, of course, we get serious about our exercise in our 50s and 60s because we can feel it slipping. We can feel things changing or see them um, when you get in front of the mirror naked. There, there it is. But what they showed is that the declines happen women, they start between 30 and 40. And for men, they start between 50 or sorry, 40 and 50, which is ironic. They start sooner for women and women live longer. That math is not good, right? So both genders need to pay attention a little bit younger. And here are the biggest errors that we make. So in our 30s, we're still coasting. So just think of yourself and you know, you've got a good job or you're in a good relationship. You may have children, you, you're busy and you're still floating a little bit on metabolism, you know, and great energy, probably still sleeping pretty good unless it's due to your own lifestyle habits once in a while, right? So you don't have a big alarm clock going off saying you need to, need to do something. But it is the time when your muscle mass starts to slide. You start to lose that. We peak at about 25 to 30. And with bone density, we peak at about 30. So both of them, we begin to withdraw from the bank, whether you know it or not, unless we're trying to prevent it. So positively eating, thinking about all the supplements that we just came up with, not to replace great nutrition, but to supplement it. So we really need to take that word in as, you know, you're not buying insurance when you take supplements, but you are supporting the food that you're eating and high quality food is really important. So getting adequate protein is important in that third decade or fourth decade for women. And also making sure that you beginning to lift heavy weights. So it's easy to, to be really concerned about your skinny jeans 
you know, and I, I worked with women who really dislike when they start to see a little muscle tone because then their skinny jeans don't fit as well. Mm -hmm. The challenge. So you need to, you know, choose the health and longevity over the skinny jeans. You can have both if you work with your muscle type. You can have both. Well, and the thing is, um, you know, with muscle training, I'm a fan of muscle training and strength training because you can't spot reduce, but you can yeah. spot enhance. Yes. Um, and so, if, for example, if you want uh, a bigger butt or bigger, you know, biceps, they can totally do that. Um, so I'm a big fan of strength training. And uh, so I, you know, I think that's great. I think women are afraid of it because, like you said, like they just don't want to look bulky or they don't want to, you know, like they feel like they're not going to. I don't know. They have some perceptions looking like Arnold Schwarzenegger, and I, that's just that's just not true. Like, I mean, you'll get more tone um, and and more you know bone density, um, but you're not going to look like Arnold unless you really want to look like Arnold. So, right. and even then, you may you may have a hard time looking like Arnold. <laughs> so, yeah, I do want to say that that those are great points that you can change your body proportions through weight training in a way that you can't through cardio only. Mm -hmm. And that is usually what women gravitate toward is they'll all be on the cardio and the men will all be in the weight room. We need a little more blending of both. So you can really change proportions with strength training, but you can only cardio away to a smaller, the same thing you started with potentially, right? Mm -hmm. So you're not going to improve much at all, but with strength training, you can. So that was a great difference. Yeah. Yeah, that's for people in their 30s, right? So yeah. I guess we're moving on to another decade. We are. So 40s, it gets to be a little bit more serious. Women start to see and feel more changes and a little bit more fatigue sets in. And it's not that you're doing anything wrong. It's really, it's catching up with you. So some of the lifestyle habits that you've been able to get away with, maybe because you had a great metabolism when you were younger, you were very active now, maybe you're sedentary. How many of us have sedentary jobs, right? And then we come home and, and although we think we're really active and there's so much to do, we spend a lot of time still in front of our computer screens or in front of a television and a computer screen at the same time, even in our leisure time now. So it's getting a little bit more active consciously, but it doesn't take an hour. It doesn't take an hour a day. It doesn't even take an hour three times a week. So little 10 minutes when you have that, the key is really knowing what to do. You know, I like to call it muscles in minutes, you know, taking three exercises, cycling through them three times. And if they're major muscle group exercises, whether you have to use body weight because that's convenient or you have access to weights, great. I mean, the point is do something because that's a boost to your metabolism, but more importantly, it's a boost to the thought process that this is who I am. I exercise regularly. And consistency is your best friend. It's not even necessarily intensity, duration, frequency, but consistency and staying in that habit is your best friend, even on the busiest of days. 
Mm. Yeah, you know, I think um, that's so, so key is like people feel like, oh, well, I just don't want to go to the gym. I don't have time to go to the gym. And so then they feel like, oh, I don't have time to be active. But you can just use your body weight, like you were saying, and you can get a, a nice workout in. So um, can you give us an example of some exercises that um, you can you suggest for people in their fourth decade? And how often should they be doing these types of exercises? Great exercises, things that I love to see people doing and doing first. So this is highest on your priority list or think of a target. This is the middle. These are the things absolutely do. And if you have extra curricular time, you can always do other more things. But you want to do things like squats or lunges or chest press or rowing activities. So you're using more than one joint that we call it a compound exercise, but when you're using more of your major muscles at once, it's going to have more effect on holding on to your lean muscle tissue and helping you boost fat metabolism. So you want to stir things up with your major muscles first, and those things are key. So save your small muscles, bicep curls, tricep kickbacks, your calf raises, not that they're not important, but they are less important for metabolism and for bone density. So you, you need to have that priority list. And then when you have a longer time period, absolutely go and do those too. But you are getting them because they're secondary players in those other major muscle groups when you're exercising that. So that's what to do twice a week. If you can take 10 minutes twice a week and do squats, chest press, a row, a lunge, and repeat two or three times, you have accomplished all you really need to. So yep, if you can do heavier and you have access to the gym or can work that into your schedule, even better. But if you can't and you do that at home, you've established that habit and those muscles will be there when you call on them greater. Mm. So squats and lunges are easy because you don't need anything. But right. what are some um, uh, ways that you can encourage people to get chest presses in or rows in if they're, if they're just doing a home workout? Great. So if you have access to dumbbells at home, if you're going to pick something up that probably has the most utility, I would suggest a pair of, depending on who you are, and go to the store and lift some if you're not sure. So actually do it. But 10 pounds, 15 pounds, 20 pounds is a range where most of us for major muscle groups, that wouldn't be a bad starting point. So if you're not sure, actually do go to the store and say, can you help me do a proper, you know, chest press or a bent over row so that I know what's appropriate. And you're always possibly going to want to grow into the next pair, or you might have a day when you need to revert to the pair before. So if you have three, think of it as your small, your medium, and your large pair, that would be even better. You're covered, all bases. So push-ups are very convenient. You can use your body weight. And if you can't go to your toes, you can go to your knees. And if you can't go to your knees, you can go to the wall and stand away from it at an angle. So all different ways to start and add some kind of a resistance, no matter who you are. Mm. Yeah, I was just going to suggest push-ups because that's another, it's 
like an upside down bench press. So, <laughs> so then, um, so I'm thinking that was the fourth decade, right? So uh, anything in the fifties and sixties? Definitely. You know, as you go from 30 to 40 to 50 to 60, you have a continuum and it shifts. So you can get by with more cardio and a little bit less weight training when you're 30 because you still have that muscle. But as you age, you actually want to do more strength training and you need a little less cardio. You just need the right kind. You do need it. You need it in the right dose. But if you're strength training, you're probably optimizing a lot of things. And for women, especially who may be 50 to 60 and working their way through or have gone through hormone changes, you know, and don't need more cortisol, working with it with short duration, some high intensity exercise once or twice a week, and then long walks that are much more soothing. Both of those are balancing and you don't want all of any one thing. You want a good mixture. You want to think of your exercise as a potluck, have a little of all of it. You've got different energy systems and you will be more fit overall if you use it all. So as you get into your 50s and 60s, you may be thinking why well, I might back off on my weights. You actually need to work heavier. And so I'm not comparing, say, 25 pounds to 40 pounds, but where you fatigue between, say, 10 and 12 repetitions really ultimately should be your goal. You may not start there, but you don't want to have a lot more repetition than that if you want to do bone density and lean muscle tissue benefit. Sure. Yeah. So then um, if, so you were saying someone in their forties should be, you know, ideally minimum two days a week doing strength training. Yes. So what, what does that look like in their fifties and sixties? How often should they be doing that? Ironically the same really. And, and yet it's different. So you and I, let's say we were both, you know, this is such a long time into the future. We we're both 60. Okay. <laughs> long time into the future. Yes, much, much, very yeah. long. <laughs> we might recover differently. So you might be fine doing Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, but I might be a slow recoverer. And that's not a weakness. It just is, you know, it's like I might like dairy foods and you might not do well with them. Mm -hmm. It's just a part of what your nature is. I might need to just do Monday and Thursday and find I can work harder and get just as good of results as you do by you doing more frequently. So it may take a little experimentation and that can be true at any age, but it seems to be crossing the threshold of 50. You need to test a little bit and see if what you had been doing maybe isn't working. If you're feeling not recovered or you're not making progress or you're still a little achy and sore when you start your next workout, I would say take another day off and you might find you're even stronger when you do exercise and you recover better, which means really that's when the muscles repair and replenish and that's when you do the good. Mm. So in general, two days, but some people can do more, but they just have to listen to their body. Right. Um, you know, and it makes perfect sense because we say that for food, right? You listen to yeah. your body. So then you should do the same when you're exercising. Yes. So. Yes. Very true. And, and yet you can work just as hard in your 50s and 60s. We've seen countless data show you can work just as hard. It's just that the amount of recovery you need 
that might increase. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it makes sense. Perfect. Yeah. So now, um, okay, so we've talked about the fitness side of things, right? Um, what about food, right? We talked a little bit about fat and how important that is and what are some examples of good quality fats. Um, you mentioned earlier about protein. So um, I think a lot of people get confused about protein, like exactly how much should they be eating, when should they be eating protein, um, and just kind of the specifics of that. Okay, so here we go. So this is my biased professional opinion. Um, and this is a lot due to research from the University of Texas Medical Branch. And they started looking at all of this and really came out and were published first in 2008. So since then, it's been backed up many times by other people that looked at the idea that maybe the RDAs are behind the times or were created with the idea of keeping, keeping us disease-free, you know, keeping us from getting sick, but not necessarily looking at the bar we've raised. We want to thrive. We want really to be alive and full of energy. And that's quite different and that the RDAs may not have kept up. So a lot of the research shows across the age span, across generations and across activity levels that taking in about 25 to 30 grams of protein at breakfast and at lunch and at dinner. So three times during the day, each of those grams showed more muscle maintenance as opposed to losing it, say, for frail elderly people in their 90s. And I just used that extreme and so did they in the study because that it's obvious that, you know, those people who get hurt or are ill and have bed rest they have more muscle wasting anyway. So they get out of bed and they're extremely weak. And it's where some of our products like Ensure and Boost came about to give them more protein while they were in bed. And the losses they experienced were much less than that. So the takeaway for the rest of us who don't want to get to that point is to keep our lean muscle mass by exercise and by an adequate calorie intake that includes adequate protein. So it is much more user-friendly. It's not a total of 90 grams necessarily because you can't do 10 in the morning and 20 at lunch and then have that hang off the steak, hang off the plate steak at supper and have that count. You really need to take in about 25 to 30 grams. And the range is there for those of us who are more active will process our protein better. So it's not intuitive. It might be the opposite of what you think. If you're inactive, you actually need that higher range because you're not processing the protein you do take in quite as well. So if you can reach that getting close to 25 grams, so what does that look like is usually the next question. So if, if you hold up your fist, it's kind of you know, your fist and your knuckles, I have a small hand. So, um, you know, it's close to the screen. It doesn't look like that, but that's about four ounces of chicken or salmon or lean beef. And all of those would be right in that range. So you're probably easily doing it, at least in America, for lunch and dinner. Breakfast gets to be a little bit harder. 
I'm told we're the only country in the world that has specific breakfast foods, right? So a lot of other people have fish, you know, for breakfast and they can overcome that obstacle. But with, you know, the habit of cereal or pancakes or waffles, we've been a carbohydrate laden breakfast. So it's been harder. But if you can switch that, and that's why protein powders have emerged for a lot of people, inconvenience it's given us an easy way to get protein in and solve the problem of I don't have time for breakfast, you know, that we often come up against. So um, I'll pause for a minute. So Anne, question, or do you want to jump in? Yeah. So, um, so 25 to 30, three mm -hmm. times a day for most people. Um, if you are more active, so you're saying if you're more active, then, then you might need you process your protein better. So do you need more or less protein than other people? You can get by with less. So that lower of the range is probably fine for you, but someone who's sedentary probably needs more. And it's, it's backwards from what you might think, right? Yeah, that's blowing my mind right now. <laughs> so the other place where it's really important for older adults to fit it in is either before or after a heavy weight training. So we're talking about the importance of strength training or resistance training or very moderate to vigorous cardiovascular exercise. And we might be talking about those people who are doing high intensity exercise or who are what I call age group athletes, you know, still competing in things for a little bit longer duration, eating around those times so that the breakdown of the muscle that happens during exercise gets a chance to repair. Even if you're there for weight loss, even if you're doing it for weight loss, and sometimes especially because we want to make sure we replenish the muscle so that we can lose the fat and create the lean. So the take from American Council or American College of Sports Medicine after our literature review looked at eating about 24 grams of protein either before or after exercise within either 30 minutes or 90 minutes. If you're going to have a meal, then you're fine. You're covered. So if you exercise right before breakfast or you exercise right before dinner, you're probably okay because you're getting that protein in at your meal. But if you're not, you know, you're walking out of the gym and you're heading to work or to a sport event, it's a good idea to plan and have something with you so that you can replenish that protein. Otherwise that window closes and you've kind of lost a little bit during that gap. So three things work against you. The older you get age exercise can, and then eating if you're not taking in as much calories as you need. And we commonly cut back because we're either not as hungry or we're consciously trying to lose weight and thinking that's the solution. So we can't change the fact that we're putting more candles on the cake, but we can make sure we do exercise appropriately to rebuild muscle with the right rest between and put the right protein in between. Mm -hmm. okay. okay. So, so I, know I know one of the one things, of the things we, wanted we wanted to talk, talk about, about was crowding versus compensating. Yeah. And um, so actually I haven't really heard it explained this way or mentioned like this. So can you kind of share what you mean by this and, and how that's related to exercise? Absolutely. Well, it's probably related to exercise and then just every other part of life. 
So as we were in January, we're still very conscious of, you know, New Year's resolutions, but it doesn't matter, right? It can be spring and we're very conscious of going sleeveless or it's fall and we're getting back into the routine. Changing our dietary habits always seems to come back to what can't I have or what do I need to take out? And that's, it's depressing to, to think of food like that. So if we can focus on putting the good things in and, in, and we talked about, you know, coconut oil, adding the healthy fat and adding more leafy green vegetables No one in America probably is going to be guilty of overdosing on green leafy vegetables or getting in too many vegetables during the course of a day. So if we look at putting those kinds of things in and getting the fat and the fiber and the protein in, they can kill cravings together. So instead of thinking about not having dessert or you can't have pizza or you can't have cake or cookies, you actually will lose the want for them if you focus on what to do and what can you do and how can you make what's for dinner delicious, you know, and learn some new ways of cooking or adding spices for flavoring so that you're simply crowding out your desire for those things that really don't serve you as well. And it doesn't mean that you can't ever have, you know, a sweet or a treat but there might be a healthier way to make it that actually serves you better. Absolutely. Yeah. I think that's a great philosophy. And, um, you know, from someone who used to be a a sweet addict um, and, you know, when I started adding more greens into my diet and doing green smoothies and you're right after eating clean for a while, you just don't have a desire for it. I mean, it's like, Oh, it's, here's a, here's a case full of cake cool, right? It's not like, oh, I really need it right now kind of thing. And your Your (laughs) taste buds change. So even a little bit of that sugar goes a long ways, or you feel like that's, that's just sticky sweet and it Mm. really is appealing. Yeah. Yeah, If you, you know, when you try something that you used to have and you taste a difference, like I had like a big, like headache actually, because of that blood sugar spike. I was like, whoa, this is too much. So um, your body definitely does adjust after and you start changing your, your, your food and you adjust for just adding good things in and you just focus on that. Eventually you just, your taste buds will change for sure. Absolutely. For the better. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I, you know, this is a burning question I had because at the beginning you were talking about now your life now is, you know, uh, you work and you, you're in front of the computer often. So how do you, you know, incorporate activity into your life and how do you, you know, make it so that you can walk the walk? Um, so that, cause I can imagine a lot of people being in your shoes and saying like, just how do I make this work in my life? You know, being just so busy and, and, um, most people working at desk jobs nowadays. Yeah, great question. Great, great question. Um, And so today was a perfect example. Let me give you a day in the life. So I had early morning uh, telephone calls. So I work with people who are all over the world, actually, Okinawa and much different time zones than I am. And so often to accommodate them, I might have a 7 a.m. coaching call and, you know, have several of those back to back before I have a break. Well, here's what I've learned about me, and here's what you need to figure out about you. If I say, well, you know, my workout's going to have to wait until night, my workout won't happen. 
and I love it. So it's not motivation. It's just that, you know, other things creep in and too many things call my attention. And, and I know a lot of you experience that if you're listening. So I make a deal with myself and I will do 20 minutes if that's all I can do. I also like to do creative work in the morning. So I hate to pull myself away from that before I have to. But I will make sure I'm on the treadmill by 6.30 if I have a 7 o'clock call and I'll do intervals for 20 minutes and pour myself a smoothie before I sit down to a couple of hours of consultation. I know that if I've done that 20 minutes and I've gotten a high protein, good quality breakfast with some greens in it, that I will make another good choice later. And I will be more likely to do another 20 minutes of something. And it might be a dog walk instead of something else. But then if I do nothing and put off an hour workout for later, that probably won't happen. So it's really, I think, knowing yourself. So for instance, today I did do those 20 minutes and then actually had a little longer break. And I did 20 minutes more high intensity at about noon. And I rarely do that, but I'm uh, trying to work my way back up. I've taken a long sabbatical over Christmas. <laughs> so um, I'm trying to work myself back up to where I'm uh, feeling good about my level. So I might do a little stretching and that'll be it. So I won't have put in even a full hour of exercise, but truly it was very cortisol friendly, right? I mean, that's the kind of little bit spot, you know, we're supposed to work under pressure for short periods of time and have those stressors go away. That's what really our life training is about. And so should our exercise at points. I love a long run better than anybody, but I know that really my cortisol loves the other thing. And so sometimes you have to compromise. <laughs> so I did today. Sure. I, you know, I love it because I, I think that when people can see um, what it looks like a day in the life, then, then they can see that sometimes you just kind of, you know, work with what you have. And right, if you can only fit in 30, 20 minutes, that, but you're going to make it the most of it, then, then that's okay. And th then you, you know, and decided to add the extra at noon. So, um, cause that makes you feel better and, and that's good too. So, um, I think that's, that's a really good way for people to see how things can fit into their life. Um, I used to be that type of person that worked out in the evening, but then I was so wired after working out. I just was like, I can't sleep. So I, and now I know myself and I'm more of a morning person when it comes to exercise. Um, so that's, that, that's another key is just to know how you you work right um so we've covered a lot of information today deborah you know is there anything that you know i didn't get a chance to ask you and um you definitely want to make sure people know or any um last minute parting tips of advice for people that you want them to walk away with the last thing that you mentioned Anne, i think is a great closing piece so you mentioning you know i'm wired when i exercise late in the day for for a lot of us, and women probably more so than men, but it doesn't have to be. Cortisol levels ideally should be rising in the morning and falling throughout the day and kind of bringing us back into relaxation and preparing us to sleep at night. So if you possibly can, do your vigorous exercise earlier in the day and your more calming things, maybe walking outdoors or 
walking the dog or doing your yoga or stretching later in the day, you're working with your hormones a little bit better. And I have a quiz that you can actually take to go through and look at how am I doing compared to those habits of women in particular who are over 50 who are maintaining high energy, you know, don't have the fatigue that so many of us complain about. So I can share that if you're interested in, in getting to that. That's at voiceforfitness.com forward slash forever fit and fab. Don't we all want that? <laughs> yes, yes, yes. So then they can take the quiz to see how they're doing compared to other people and people you yes. know, 50 plus. Awesome. Awesome. Well, if people want to get a hold of you, um, De Deborah, I know you were saying you do consultations all over the world. Um, how can they, you know, get in touch with you? And what are some projects that you're working on right now that you're so excited to share with people about? Ah, right. Well, hit the project first. So in November, I published You Still Got It, Girl, the After 50 Fitness Formula for Women. The quiz comes from that book. In fact, it is in the book. And we are about to shoot the iBook version of that book, which I'm super excited about. It's a constant question. It's when we're talking about exercise, it's, it's like Greek when someone is writing how to do it, if you're not familiar with it. So having the ability to, you know, put your thumb right on it and click to the video or to the slides that demonstrate the exercise. So that will be out later this spring. So that's the most exciting piece and to get a hold of me, go to www.voiceforfitness.com and just connect and shoot me a comment. Let me know you saw me here on Food is Medicine. And if you have a specific question, I'd love to help. Perfect. Well, thank you so much, Deborah, for coming on the show. It's been a pleasure uh, connecting with a fellow Iowan. And, um, you know, I just, I made a, you know, I had to make some calls back to Iowa for, because um, I'm selling my house. And, you know, I just love the fact that, like, you talk to a real person, they, um, they love to talk to you, and they have all the time for you. And I feel that same warmth coming from you when we're speaking. So, you know, I just really feel people from Iowa are great. And um, like I said, it's been great chatting with you and um, I'm sure we'll be in touch so thank you so much thank you so much for having me hey so I hope you enjoyed the show all the links and resources mentioned today are in the show notes at drann.com spelled a-n-h as in healthy and while you're there remember to hop on the food as medicine VIP email list and you'll get my free gift it's the clean eating rules and it's everything that I learned about nutrition when I was on my bodybuilding journey, which happens to be contrary to many of the things I learned in school. And it's really my number one guide from my experience for how to eat to lose weight, improve your biometrics, and get more energy. You'll also get all my favorite pearls from the show. And this show can be a bit technical at times with lots of details about what foods to eat, what foods to avoid, as well as what supplements to take and in what dosages, etc., so if you're anything like me, you're probably listening to this while driving, cooking, running some errands around the house, walking the dog, etc. And you really aren't in a position to be jotting down notes of all the great information that's shared by the guest. So I've taken all the notes for you. And by hopping on my email list, you'll get all the show pearls delivered right to your inbox so you can refer back to them at any time. Finally, as a VIP email subscriber, you'll get the occasional love letters from me, which are emails sharing some of my favorite recipes and products, upcoming events, new information that I've learned, and just other goodies. So go to DrAnn.com now and enter your name and email address.
Did you like this episode? Then remember to subscribe so you'll never miss an episode and leave us a review. This will really help us with the iTunes rankings and help more people find the show. Remember to tell all your friends because we need more people to hear the food as medicine message. We've got plenty of great guests coming up, so stay tuned. Thanks so much for stopping by. And until next time, remember to eat consciously because the world needs a healthy and vibrant you.